0: chapter 2 of the wrecker this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox.org recording by Lynn thompson the wrecker by robert louis stevenson chapter 2 roussillon wine my mother's family was scotch and it was judged fitting i should pay a visit on my way pariswood To my uncle Adam Loudon a wealthy retired grocer of Edinburgh He was very stiff and very ironical he fed me well lodged me sumptuously and Seemed to take it out of me all the time cent per cent in secret entertainment Which caused his spectacles to glitter and his mouth to twitch? the ground of this ill-suppressed mirth as well as I could make out was simply the fact that I was an American well he would say drawing out the word to infinity and I suppose now in your country things will be so-and-so And the whole group of my cousins would titter joyously Repeated receptions of this sort must be at the root I suppose of what they call the great American jest and I know I was myself goaded into saying that my friends went naked in the summer months and that the second Methodist Episcopal Church in Muskegon was decorated with scalps i cannot say that these flights had any great success they seemed to awaken little more surprise than the fact that my father was a republican or that i had been taught in school to spell color without the u if i had told them which was after all the truth that my father had paid a considerable annual sum to have me brought up in a gambling hell the tittering and grinning of this dreadful family might perhaps have been excused I Cannot deny but I was sometimes tempted to knock my uncle Adam down and Indeed I believe it must have come to a rupture at last if they had not given a dinner party at which I was the lion on this occasion I learned to my surprise and relief that the Incivility to which I had been subjected was a matter for the family circle and might be regarded almost in the light of an endearment to strangers i was presented with consideration and the account given of my american brother-in-law poor janey's man james k dodd the well-known millionaire of muskegon was calculated to enlarge the heart of a proud son an aged assistant of my grandfather's a pleasant humble creature with a taste for whiskey was at first deputed to be my guide about the city with this harmless but hardly aristocratic companion i went to arthur's seat and the colton hill heard the band play in the prince's street gardens inspected the regalia and the blood of rizzio and fell in love with the great castle on its cliff the innumerable spires of churches the stately buildings the broad prospects and those narrow and crowded lanes of the old town where my ancestors had lived and died in the days before columbus but there was another curiosity that interested me more deeply my grandfather alexander loudon In his time the old gentleman had been a working mason and had risen from the ranks more I think by shrewdness than by merit in his appearance speech and manners He bore broad marks of his origin which were gall and wormwood to my uncle Adam his nails in spite of anxious supervision were often inconspicuous mourning his clothes hung about him in bags and wrinkles like a ploughman's sunday coat his accent was rude broad and dragging take him at his best and even when he could be induced to hold his tongue his mere presence in a corner of the drawing-room with his open-air wrinkles his scanty hair his battered hands and the cheerful craftiness of his expression advertised the whole gang of us for a self-made family my aunt might mince and my cousins bridle but there was no getting over the solid physical fact of the stonemason in the chimney-corner that is one advantage of being an american it never occurred to me to be ashamed of my grandfather and the old gentleman was quick to mark the difference he held my mother in tender memory perhaps because he was in the habit of daily contrasting her with uncle adam whom he detested to the point of frenzy and he set down to inheritance from his favorite my own becoming treatment of himself on our walks abroad which soon became daily he would sometimes after duly warning me to keep the matter dark from adam skulk into some old familiar pot house, and there if he had the luck to encounter any of his veteran cronies he would present me to the company with manifest pride casting at the same time a covert slur on the rest of his descendants this is my genie's yin he would say he's a fine fellow him the purpose of our excursions was not to seek antiquities or to enjoy famous prospects but to visit one after another a series of doleful suburbs for which it was the old gentleman's chief claim to renown that he had been the sole contractor And too often the architect besides I have rarely seen a more shocking exhibition the bricks seemed to be blushing in the walls and the slates on the roof to have turned pale with shame but I was careful not to communicate these impressions to the aged artificer at my side and when he would direct my attention to some fresh monstrosity perhaps with a comment there's an idea of mine's it's cheap and tasty and had a grand run The idea was soon stole and there's whole districts near Glesgy with the gothic addition and plunge I would civilly make haste to admire and what I found particularly Delighted him to inquire into the cost of each adornment It will be conceived that Muskegon capital was a frequent and a welcome ground of talk I drew him all the plans from memory and he with the aid of a narrow volume full of figures and tables which answered I believe to the name of Molesworth and was his constant pocket companion, would draw up rough estimates and make imaginary offers on the various contracts. Our Muskegon builders he pronounced a pack of cormorants, and the congenial subject, together with my knowledge of architectural terms, the theory of strains, and the prices of materials in the states, formed a strong bond of union between what might have been otherwise an ill-assorted pair and led my grandfather to pronounce me with emphasis a real intelligent kind of a child thus a second time as you will presently see the capital of my native state had influentially affected the current of my life i left edinburgh however with not the least idea that i had done a stroke of excellent business for myself and singly delighted to escape out of a somewhat dreary house and plunge instead into the rainbow city of paris every man has his own romance mine clustered exclusively about the practice of the arts the life of Latin quarter students and the world of Paris as depicted by that grimy wizard the author of the Comédie humaine I was not disappointed I could have been for I did not see the facts I brought them with me ready-made Z. Marcus lived next door to me in my ungainly ill-smelling hotel of the Rue Racine I dined at my villainous restaurant with lousteau and with rastignac if a curricle nearly ran me down at a street-crossing, Maxime de Trailles would be the driver. I dined, I say, at a poor restaurant and lived in a poor hotel, and this was not from need but sentiment. My father gave me a profuse allowance, and I might have lived had I chosen in the quartier de l'etoile. And Driven to my studies daily Had I done so the glamour must have fled I should still have been but Loudon and odd, Whereas now I was a Latin quarter student Murger's successor living in flesh and blood the life of one of those romances I had loved to read to reread and to dream over among the woods of Muskegon At this time we were all a little murger mad in the Latin quarter the play of the Vida Boheme, a dreary, snivelling piece, had been produced at the Odéon, had run an unconscionable time, for Paris, and revived the freshness of the legend. The same business, you may say, or there and thereabout, was being privately enacted in consequence in every garret of the neighbourhood, and a good third of the students were consciously impersonated Rodolphe or Schaunard, to their own incommunicable satisfaction. Some of us went far and some farther. I always looked with awful envy, for instance, on a certain countryman of my own who had a studio in the rue Monsieur le Prince, wore boots and long hair in a net, and could be seen tramping off in this guise to the worst eating-house in the quarter, followed by a Corsican model, his mistress, in the conspicuous costume of her race and calling it takes some greatness of soul to carry even folly to such heights as these and for my own part i had to content myself by pretending very arduously to be poor by wearing a smoking cap on the streets and by pursuing through a series of misadventures that extinct mammal the grisette the most grievous part was the eating and the drinking i was born with a dainty tooth and a palate for wine and only a genuine devotion to romance could have supported me under the cat civets that i had to swallow and the red ink of bercy i must wash them down withal every now and again after a hard day at the studio where i was steadily and far from unsuccessfully industrious a wave of distaste would overbear me i would slink away from my haunts and companions indemnify myself for weeks of self-denial with fine wines and dainty dishes Seated perhaps on a terrace perhaps in an arbor in a garden with a volume of one of my favorite authors propped open in front of me and Now consulted a while and now forgotten So remain relishing my situation till night fell and the lights of the city kindled and then Stroll homeward by the riverside under the moon or stars in a heaven of poetry and digestion One such indulgence led me in in the course of my second year into an adventure which I must relate Indeed it is the very point. I have been aiming for since that was what brought me in acquaintance with Jim Pinkerton I sat down alone to dinner one October day when the rusty leaves were falling and scuttling on the boulevard and the minds of impressionable men inclined in about an equal degree towards sadness and conviviality the restaurant was no great place, but boasted a considerable cellar and a long printed list of vintages. This I was pursuing with a double zest of a man who is fond of wine and a lover of beautiful names when my eye fell near the end of the card on that not very famous or familiar brand, Roussillon. I remembered it was a wine I had never tasted, ordered a bottle, found it excellent. And when I had discussed the contents, called according to my habit for a final pint. It appears they did not keep roussillon in half bottles. All right, said I, another bottle. The tables at this eating-house are close together, and the next thing I can remember, I was in somewhat loud conversation with my nearest neighbors. From these, I must have gradually extended my attentions, for I have a clear recollection of gazing about a room in which every chair was half turned round and every face turned smilingly to mine I Can even remember what I was saying at the moment But after 20 years the embers of shame are still alive And I prefer to give your imagination the cue by simply mentioning that my muse was the patriotic it had been my design to adjourn for coffee in the company of some of these new friends But I was no sooner on the sidewalk than I found myself unaccountably alone The circumstance scarce surprised me at the time much less now But I was somewhat chagrined a little after to find I had walked into a kiosk I Began to wonder if I were any the worse for my last bottle and decided to steady myself with coffee and brandy in the cafe de la sauce where I went for this restorative the Fountain was playing and what greatly surprised me the mill and the various mechanical figures on the rockery Appeared to have been freshly repaired and performed the most enchanting antics The cafe was extraordinarily hot and bright with every detail of a conspicuous clearness From the faces of the guests to the type of the newspapers on the tables and the whole apartment Swang to and fro like a hammock with an exhilarating motion For some time I was so extremely pleased with these particulars that I thought I could never be weary of beholding them Then dropped of a sudden into a causeless sadness And then with the same swiftness and spontaneity Arrived at the conclusion that I was drunk and had better get to bed It was but a step or two to my hotel Where I got my lighted candle from the porter and mounted the four flights to my own room? Although I could not deny that I was drunk. I was at the same time lucidly rational and practical I Had but one Preoccupation to be up in time on the morrow for my work and when I observed the clock on my chimney piece to have stopped I decided to go downstairs again and give directions to the porter Leaving the candle burning and my door open to be a guide to me on my return I set forth accordingly The house was quite dark But as there were only three doors on each landing it was impossible to wander And I had nothing to do but descend the stairs until I saw the glimmer of the Porter's nightlight I Counted four flights no Porter it was possible of course that I had reckoned incorrectly So I went down another and another and another still counting as I went until I had reached the prosperous figure of nine flights it was now quite clear that i had somehow passed the porter's lodge without remarking it indeed i was at the lowest figure five pairs of stairs below the street and plunged in the very bowels of the earth that my hotel should thus be founded upon catacombs was a discovery of considerable interest and if i had not been in a frame of mind entirely businesslike i might have continued to explore all night this subterranean empire But I was bound I must be up betimes on the next morning and for that end it was imperative that I should find the porter I faced about accordingly and counting with painful care remounted towards the level of the street five six and seven flights I climbed and still there was no Porter I Began to be weary of the job and reflecting that I was now close to my own room Decided I should go to bed Eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen flights I mounted, and my open door seemed to be as wholly lost to me as the porter and his floating dip. I remembered that the house stood but six stories at its highest point, from which it appeared, on the most moderate computation, I was now three stories higher than the roof. My original sense of amusement was succeeded by a not unnatural irritation. My room has just got to be here," said I, and I stepped toward the door with outspread arms. There was no door and no wall in place of either. there yawned before me a dark corridor in which I continued to advance for some time without encountering the smallest opposition and this inner house, whose extreme area scantily contained three small rooms, a narrow landing, and a stair. The thing was manifestly nonsense, and you will scarcely be surprised to learn that I now began to lose my temper. At this juncture, I perceived a filtering of light along the floor, stretched forth my hand, which encountered the knob of a door-handle, and without further ceremony entered a room. A young lady was within. She was going to bed, and her toilet was far advanced, or the other way about, if you prefer. I hope you will pardon this intrusion said I but my room is number 12 and something has gone wrong with this blamed house She looked at me a moment and then if you will step outside for a moment. I will take you there says she Thus with perfect composure on both sides the matter was arranged I waited a while outside the door presently she rejoined me in a dressing-gown took my hand led me up another flight which made the fourth above the level of the roof and shut me into my own room where being quite weary after these Contraordinary explorations I turned in and slumbered like a child I tell you the thing calmly as it appeared to me to pass But the next day when I awoke and put memory in the witness box I could not conceal from myself that the tale presented a good many improbable features i had no mind for the studio after all and went instead to the luxembourg gardens there among the sparrows and the statues and the falling leaves to cool and clear my head it is a garden i have always loved you sit there in a public place of history and fiction barra and fouchet have looked from these windows Lousteau and de Banville, one as real as the other have rhymed upon these benches the city tramples by without the railings to a lively measure, and within and about you trees rustle, children and sparrows utter their small cries, and the statues look on forever. Here, then, in a seat opposite the gallery entrance, I set to work on the events of the last night to disengage, if it were possible, truth from fiction the house by daylight had proved to be six stories high the same as ever i could find with all my architectural experience No room in its altitude for those interminable stairways No width between its walls for that long corridor where I had tramped at night and there was yet a greater difficulty I had read somewhere an aphorism that everything may be false to itself save human nature A house might elongate or enlarge itself or seem to do so to a gentleman who had been dining The ocean might dry up the rocks melt in the Sun the stars fall from heaven like autumn apples And there was nothing in these incidents to boggle the philosopher But the case of the young lady stood upon a different foundation Girls were not good enough or not good that way or else they were too good I was ready to accept any of these views all pointed to the same conclusion Which I was thus already on the point of reaching when a fresh argument occurred and instantly confirmed it I could remember the exact words we had each said and I had spoken and she had replied in English Plainly then the whole affair was an illusion Catacombs and stairs and charitable lady all were equally the stuff of dreams I had just come to this determination when there blew a flaw of wind through the autumnal gardens The dead leaves showered down and a flight of sparrows thick as a snowfall wheeled over my head with sudden pipings This agreeable bustle was the affair of a moment But it startled me from the abstraction into which I had fallen like a summons I sat briskly up and as I did so my eyes rested on the figure of a lady in a brown jacket and carrying a paint box By her side walked a fellow some years older than myself with an easel under his arm and Alike by their course and cargo I might judge they were bound for the gallery where the lady was doubtless engaged upon some copying You can imagine my surprise when I recognized in her the heroine of my adventure To put the matter beyond question our eyes met and she Seeing herself remembered and recalling the trim in which I had last beheld her Looked swiftly on the ground with just a shadow of confusion. I Could not tell you today if she were plain or pretty But she had behaved with so much good sense and I had cut so poor a figure in her presence That I became instantly fired with the desire to display myself in a more favorable light The young man besides was possibly her brother brothers are apt to be hasty there's being a part in which it is possible at a comparatively early age to assume the dignity of manhood and It occurred to me it might be wise to forestall all possible complications by an apology On this reasoning I drew near to the gallery door and had hardly got in position before the young man came out Thus it was that I came face to face with my third destiny for my career has been entirely shaped by these three elements My father the capital of Muskegon and my friend Jim Pinkerton As for the young lady with whom my mind was at the moment chiefly occupied I was never to hear more of her from that day forward an Excellent example of the blind man's bluff that we call life End of chapter 2